Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Having a great evening today. If you were here Sunday morning, or this morning, it's still Sunday, right? I feel like I'm in a whole other day already. Uh, what a blessing it was for the series this morning. We're going to continue. I want to make a few simple highlights for you here. If you still have a question about marriage or relationships, you still have another chance. You can write it on the paper, put it in the boxes in the back, or you can text it in. So you, you text to Res Life to 94000, and it will prompt you, and then you type in number five, that's marriage and relationships, and once you do that, we will be able to get your question live if we can get to it. We already have some questions to start with, but that's the prompt. So if you have a question, please don't leave without at least writing it down or asking it. And when we get to it with the panel, the cool panel behind me, I get to quiz them. I enjoy this. Um, and I'll try to poke all your answers out. I'll try. Well, today we have... The one and only, Pastor Dwayne and Jenny Vanaclot. And we have the mantle right below, <laughs> Pastor Daniel and Amanda Vanaclot. And, and then also with us, we have Mari and Jesse Cabrera. I rehearsed. Now I bet they can say my last name, but we'll just kick in. I'm David Timosime. <laughs> All right. I mean, do we just jump in? You guys ready to go? All right, first question. Does a wife need to submit to her husband if she makes more money than he does? <laughs> does the wife need to submit if she makes more money than he does? It really doesn't matter how much money you make or how high you jump or how fast you run or how much you eat. Um, we get to submit to one another, and it's, it's like we showed this morning. Maybe this question came in before, and the, um, whoever asked it didn't see that, but... The way your feet submit to one another really means you do that whether one foot has all the toenails and the other one doesn't or, or um, you know, one, yeah, it just, you work together. Anybody else? Well, I'm looking at a translation and it says in Ephesians 5.22, wives understand and support your husbands. That's a joke though. <laughs> Never mind, that one, that one totally. <laughs> no, but that Joke, is- joke you. <laughs> I thought Mari was about to walk off, but hey, it's okay. But uh. <laughs> you're recognizing that the submitting isn't because they make more money, because they're bigger, taller, stronger, whatever of those. And so it doesn't change if the woman happens to be bigger, stronger, taller, make more. Um, but we do it unto God not unto when they deserve it. And I love that section in Ephesians because it goes through and says, wives, submit to your husbands. And it doesn't say as they make lots of money, as they're really awesome. It says, as to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it, so it goes, the, the contingency isn't on what they bring to the table. It's on what God brought to the table. Mm-hmm. And then it turns around to the husband and says, hey, your job is to lay your life down for your wife as Christ laid his life down for the church. Not as she honors you and you feel special, not as she meets every need that you thought you might have, but he goes, as Christ did for the church. And Romans 5 tells us that he loved us and laid his life down for us while we were still sinners. And so it takes the contingencies off and goes, those contingencies don't matter because my job rests on what Jesus did, not on their performance. And then it produces a stable marriage because no longer does she have to perform for me to do my job. I'm doing my job because of what he did, regardless of whether she's perfect today or not. All right, this is being recorded. All right. (laughs) Next question. My my husband doesn't acknowledge or or recognize that I have things to work on or that he has things to work on or that we have things to work on. He pretends like... Everything is, is perfect and denies it if, if I say otherwise. Yet I, yet I have been running on empty for years. What can I do to open his eyes? 
and make things better. <laughs> you don't always, always have to start with me. We start at the other end and come this way. <laughs> okay. All right, well, <laughs> I'm rereading the question really quick. It says, my husband doesn't acknowledge. Okay, so... Um, yeah, the, I look at the situation. I look at, you know, scenarios are different. Um, and I think of community right away. It's, I think it starts with that. You know, we always encourage church, go to church. But it's more than that. It's having that person that you can talk to and find, find that wise counsel. And if the other partner's not wanting to, I, I think it can take one to get that, that ball rolling. Um, you know, I know multiple times where I needed the advice. It's kind of having like that Jethro in your life that can say, hey, you are needing to work in this, er- this area. You're not. Because I think everyone desires that, whether husband or wife. You desire someone you can talk to that can relate to you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the best how I see it. Mm-hmm. To me, when, I, when it says, what can I do to open his eyes and make things better? You know, in relationships, there's high mountains and low valleys. And a lot of times we just see what's going on in the outwardly and not realize that there is a spiritual thing going on in the relationship. And so our fight isn't to get him to open his eyes, but to recognize that there is a spiritual thing usually that is happening, that that's where we need to put our attention. Put our attention on what is the disconnect? What is it that the enemy is trying to divide? Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to divide us. He wants to separate us. He doesn't want us to have unity, whether it's spouse, friend, children, whatever it may be. And that's usually the case for me. I think of open my eyes to see, Lord. Open my eyes. Show me, Lord, where the disconnect is or what is it that he's struggling with that I'm not seeing, that he's not seeing, instead of like, Jesse, open your eyes to see what you're doing right now because he's not gonna respond to that. But the Lord, he has a way of showing us by the Holy Spirit what exactly I need to voice. Um, the thing that um, Pastor Dwayne mentioned last week Sunday, I'm going to say it over again. I've been this has been like my jam. You know, voice activated has messed me up left and right. Anybody else? It is like that is it. You need to voice against the enemy, not against your spouse. And so, when you want to open someone's eyes, instead pray, Lord, open my eyes to see what it is I'm supposed to be praying for my husband or my spouse. You know, to add on just a little bit what Mahdi said, um, you go back to the garden and you see where the blame game was created. Um, and I, this is me just kind of my experience and what I've gone through when it comes to marriage. But I've learned I, I make more progress and I see more of God's uh, really manifestation. I know the promises are there, but then there's the manifestation part of it. When I stop doing this with my finger and start doing this, whether I'm right or wrong, because if I was in a right situation, how would I respond to my spouse when she doesn't see it maybe? And so when we can do this, and I know that you had mentioned it and kind of brought more clarity to that question, how do I open his eyes or his or hers eyes? Um, it's really just going down to this, how can I continue to respond and be what God wants me to be when it's hard? Because enemies are just opponents or there's opposition. It doesn't mean there's a full out hatred. It's just we're opposing in something. So if Christ tells us, you know, you love your friends, you know, oh, that's, that's easy, your loved ones, but what about your enemies? He says, feed them, give them something to drink. There's that higher standard. So it required me to do this to my heart all the time. And I still do that. How can I respond? How can I grow? How can I improve? Because I'm responsible for this heart right here. And then pray for the spouse. I think it's also important to make sure that you're communicating. Like make sure you're able to have that conversation with your spouse in a way that's not attacking. So one thing that women are famous for is, well, he should just know. And this whole thought that somebody else is just going to read our minds, which doesn't even happen in the movies. You know, you see it in a silly rom-com and you think, what, come on. But it's very common to happen in real life. So making sure you're having that conversation, 
while first going to the Lord saying, God, is there anything I can work on in me? Is it an insecurity in me that I need to try to overcome? And what can you, can you talk to your spouse about that? Say, hey, I'm feeling unloved and I don't know why. You know, sometimes we don't even know. We're still trying to figure ourselves out and we're still trying to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. But our spouse is supposed to be our help helper, someone who loves us through everything, someone who is there to uplift and encourage us in our walk with the Lord. And so giving them that opportunity to be able to point us back to the Holy Spirit as well is so helpful. Sometimes just being able to voice it in a way that doesn't say, hey, you suck because, but says, I feel unloved because, you know, making sure we're being careful with our verbiage. And if that still doesn't come and your spouse is like, whatever, I'm fine. Well, you're gonna have to pray about that and know that God loves you so much that he wants you to live in a relationship with your spouse that is loving, that is where you feel respected. But that might take time and that might take work on your own part until they're ready to acknowledge it. And it also, it's okay to get counseling from a Christian counselor that can help bring you back together and can help give you advice and help you see how to love each other better. I have a secret. Hints don't work. Um, There are so many marriages that can be saved if people would realize that just because you dropped a hint does not mean he got the picture. Um, they're sitting here and like, well, I, I dropped this hint that things were a problem and he did not respond because he was clueless. <laughs> the, clue, the, the, the remark that you made just went, boom. I was looking at a thing online. It was talking about this the other day and she's dropping hints that she wants to get married and it was like, oh, look, all my friends are getting married. The guy doesn't think that means you want to get married. The guy thinks all your friends are getting married. Like... <laughs> But there's all of these spots where when there's an issue, instead of having an uncomfortable conversation, we look to go, can I make a little sly remark or a joke? And they didn't respond the way I thought they would to fix everything off of my joke. Therefore, they just don't care. Don't make assumptions and don't drop hints. They don't work. Have conversations that say, hey, right now, I'm empty. And recognize just because one side of the marriage is amazing doesn't mean the other side is on cloud nine. Um, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who, uh, my own parents, who who shared stories (laughs) of when one person thought marriage was going great and the other person thought marriage was going horrible. And I've talked to people in my office, marriage is great. Marriage is awful. We need desperate, desperate help. And they're like, what? Um, But you have to be willing to have a conversation and recognizing marriage isn't about, I get everything that I want. Otherwise, that you just turn to them and go, well, that's a bummer because my marriage is great. I don't know what marriage you're in. But, but when you look and go, okay, I want to honor God and I want to love and value you. And so if I think marriage is perfect and you think marriage sucks, then I got work to do. Let's have a conversation. And it may be as simple as, hey, we have a conversation and I'm going, oh, I didn't get it, but now I can work on it. Or you might look and go, I think you're crazy. Uh, In that case, counseling is highly recommended. But a Christian counselor is good, but having somebody that you respect enough that they can look at you and go, you are wrong. And instead of going, no, you're wrong, you go, oh, okay. Just because she needs more of something than you do or vice versa, that doesn't make them crazy. It makes them different. And that was part of the goal in getting married. You didn't want to marry you. And so recognizing that in, in a relationship, we are different. And that means I get to choose things that I wouldn't have chose for me for you. And you have to be able to have that conversation. Yeah, well, it says um, she, uh, he pretends or really thinks that everything is perfect and denies it if I say otherwise. And, and so it sounded like this person was, um, was trying to communicate and, but did recognize that maybe he doesn't see what I see. Maybe he doesn't. And, um, 
a lot of you've heard me share about the first few years of our marriage and that I, this really was the thing I told my husband finally when I, was that I'm empty. I am empty. I was running on empty. And, and he was totally oblivious, right? Oh, man, yeah. I thought things were wonderful. <laughs> and, um, but we need to recognize that, well, I was married to a wonderful man, but there are some jerks out there that are really dense and maybe don't want to hear or see anything but, um, you know, real self-centered. And you cannot expect that your marriage is going to be what fills you up. And that if you're empty, it's going to be all your spouse's responsibility and job to fill you up. Um, and so, actually, our situation, we were out in the little village out in Mexico, no telephone, no, tele no TV, no computer. There was no connection to the other world other than snail mail. And, and so I had to go to God, and I was empty. And the Lord um, told me to stop complaining about being empty and what he wasn't doing and wasn't saying and wasn't, you know, he wasn't telling me he loved me. He was, there was just, um, he'd be gone for a few days and come home with, with flea-bitten sleeping bags and I had to clean. Anyway, it was a lot of emptiness going on there. And the Lord told me to pray God's will for that man and that it was like God was on, he says, I am at work in that man, both to will and to work for my good pleasure. And he is, um, I want to make him the awesome man of God more than you want him to be the awesome man of God. So agree with what I want. So one of the prayers I prayed for Dwayne, I prayed, God, that Dwayne's love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that he may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, you know, at the beginning of all the epistles are these prayers that, that um, Paul, and there's other verses that you can find that, wow, this is God's will for me. This is God's will for my husband. So I'm going to pray that for him. And I just put his name in there and prayed it. And I looked at 1 Corinthians 13 and oh my goodness, look at that kind of love. Wouldn't it be wonderful if he had showed that kind of love to me? So I put his name in that. I thank you, God, today that you're filling him with that love that's never rude and never, and always, you know, I just, I just went through and, and it changed my perspective. And I began, and it, it got me and my whining and my I'm emptiness out of the way. And God began to do great and greater things and more things in Dwayne because I got out of the way and enabled him to do it. Next question. All right. <laughs> we'll keep moving. Um, this one is another long one, but I'm going to summarize it. Do I have to have sex with my husband every time he asks? should answer that one. <laughs> well, I do want to say, and part of this was, you know, that they've had some bad married years, 32 years, and, and then uh, a while ago he demanded sex twice a week or he would leave me. And what I would do, I'm just saying, what I would do is I would demand from him sex at least four or five times a week. And I'd say, I would go after him until I wore him out. That's what I'd do. Wow. I'm in. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm just saying. I, like I, I, I like it too. I'm going to say something about that one. Um, the, I like it. Um, so when we first got married, I had a wonderful, we had a wonderful couple that helped us before we actually said, I do, right? And one of the things that she said she does, but was not putting that on me to do that, just is one thing that she does that I absolutely took with me was her rule. And this is not for everyone, so don't feel like condemned or anything, but for me, my rule is never say no. No, never say no. Wait, 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 okay? Because I am the only one 
who's going to be able to satisfy. And if I'm not satisfying, it's going to come some way else, which we're not going to want that, right? And so for me, I do not like saying no, okay? But he respects me enough and understands my situation enough to know when I just had a baby a week ago. Please know, you know? But when we have that communication, like, honey, I don't ever want, you know, you let me know what your tank is. That's one of our things that we do. Is your tank full? Is your tank empty? That's one of the things I always ask. So I'll be like, hey, honey, how you doing? Where you at? Need a little refill, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and honestly... And it could be the morning talk, right? Just like coffee, be like, honey, how are you? What are you, you know, where are you at? And he's like, you know, you know? And I know, okay, I'm going to be an initiator. And it's okay, women, to be the initiator. It's fine. But at the same time, we have a mutual respect, a clear communication that says, honey, I'm on empty. With the same question beforehand, I am not feeling full. And my love tank is filled differently than his love tank. And we understand that for each other. So my rule is never say no. Yeah. You, and and the, the second half of that is obviously it's, I, I, I respect, I honor that. You know, I don't take advantage of that. And so what I learned was to study my wife, to study her body. Uh, you know, how does, I mean, <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be holy here, everybody. It's okay. No, but on a serious note, I, I really do. And, I, and I'm not talking about just the physical side, but the mental and the emotional and the, the spiritual aspect of it. Um, because if, uh, I don't know if I should get this personal or not. No, okay, don't do it. All right, I won't say that. All right. But, but the whole idea of I know how her body operates helps me uh, exercise self-control. You know, so I, just because I might have this, oh man, this is getting so, yeah, uh, okay, wrap let's wrap it up. All right, so here's the thing, I just got, what's that? Never say no, yes. Just, I, I want to make sure that I'm, uh, it's hard to share this without being so personal, but anyways, all to say, I want to understand my wife and be in partnership with her so that it's not just a one-sided, oh, this was your idea, you know? And I, and I look at it this way. When we worship God, when we have an intimacy, uh, intimate moment with our Heavenly Father alone in our prayer closet, during worship, hearing the word, whatever it is, we open our heart up and we're ready to receive. And I say this in a, in a mature way, but with our spouses, if I had a hard day with her, she ain't going to be as open to me. And so I have to learn and study what is it that I can serve my wife in, not to get my way, but to partner with God and fill her tank because I can't fill her tank alone. God, I need God because my love falls short. My way is always wrong, according to her, right? No, it's plain. But God's way, you know, using, using God's way in his word, it meets all her needs. And vice versa that. So, yeah, I think that's the best way I can say it, baby. (laughs) Sex starts in the kitchen. I remember hearing that phrase. And what that means is, if you are feeling men like your wife is not interested in you as intimately as you would like, then maybe you're not serving her in a way that makes her want to be. Now, granted, as Christian women, we can always look internally and we can always say, okay, what can I do better? How can I serve my husband and love him? But just little hints, (laughs) sorry, for men is that uh, by serving your wife and making her feel loved, by taking care of things in the house and not um, having a begrudging attitude of, well, what did you do today? Or... uh, kind of this expectation that your woman should do whatever you want and then come and meet your needs as soon as you get home. But just like you said, like studying your wife, caring for her, loving on her, and finding times, how can you be helpful around the house? How can you encourage and uplift her? 
in a way that will make her jump you. Jump them bones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a two-way street where, of course, we don't, as women, ever want to withhold as a, well, until you, I'm not. It's not a weapon. But at the same time, there are so many things that you can do as a man to make your wife want you more. So being conscious of that as well. I love your sex is not a weapon. Um, And this goes both ways. Anytime that sex is weaponized, it loses a lot of its purpose. Sex isn't supposed to just be an itch to be scratched, but it's supposed to be intimacy that, that brings you closer together. And when it becomes a weapon of I will if you, or if you don't, I won't, then it's become a weapon that, that pries you apart rather than something that glues and draws you together. Um, in Corinthians, he goes through Paul's speaking and he says to the wife that she should not deprive her husband, to the husband that she should not, he should not deprive his wife, except perhaps by mutual agreement for prayer and fasting. Um, and, and he paints this picture that there should be regular. And if you look and you go, this is crazy, I don't, like, I don't want, then there's a problem and there needs to be a conversation and possibly counseling of going, hey, why is it that we don't want to meet? But we get to meet each other's needs and it shouldn't be weaponized. It should be a gift that we get to give to each other in pursuing each other. Can I share a quick scripture on this? Uh, Genesis, I love reading Genesis when it comes to marriage because you see how God intended and created. Um, this is the ESV version. Genesis 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall be one flesh. And we hear leave and cleave. And I was just telling Madi, sometimes, you know, cleaving can sound so desperate. But I love this translation because it says hold fast. And really hold fast definition is remain tightly secured. And I think tightly and secured are a key word. And so when I serve my wife or vice versa, there needs to be some type of security that we're safe in each other's arms and in our presence with each other with God. So scripture that blesses my heart in this area. All right. Yeah. Do you guys want to stay on this topic a little longer? <laughs> um, the next question I had you guys mention seek counseling, and someone asked this question When should a couple seek counseling? Or, or when should one seek counseling? At what point in their relationship? If you feel like you need to. Yeah, and it depends on who you have around you and what. Everybody needs input. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs, uh, you're not seeing everything. And, you know, in, in my, my case early in our marriage, we didn't have anyone around. We didn't have counselors, anybody to go to. And the Holy Spirit is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom, um, it says in Isaiah. So he, he's definitely one to run to and go to. Um, but when you need it. If you need it, you need it. And there's nothing wrong with needing some extra input or someone to help you both see things better. All right, these are going to be easy ones here. Yeah. What are the most important first steps in a healthy marriage? What are the most important first steps in a healthy marriage? Read the Bible. Jesus. Yeah. But God's for, he, See, he's going he's gonna to go with the verse for it. But the, the first and foremost, the most important thing is Jesus. If two people set out and say, I don't care what I think, I don't care what I want, God wins, you will have a successful marriage. And if you have an issue, then it comes back to, well, what does God say? All right, now that's going to be what we do. And so I would say that is the, the first and foremost. And pastor's got a verse. Oh, I do have, I have verses. Okay. But for, I think when we think, well, what's the one thing? There's really not just one thing. There's so many different things that come into play in a relationship. All right. But 
when I think about a foundation for marriage, a good marriage, a lot of people consider Proverbs 31 to be the proverb of the virtuous woman, but it has so much about marriage. And it says in verse 10, it says, an excellent wife who can find, she is of far more value than rubies. Uh, one of the thing, one of the foundations, things that are necessary in a marriage is to appreciate your spouse. So often, in short order, we're taking everything our spouse does for granted. It's just what they're doing. Right? But you've got to appreciate your spouse. In fact, later on in the same chapter, uh, it says it this way. Uh, let's see. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and says, many women have done well, but you've done better than them all. I mean, he's appreciating her. He's vocal about his appreciation. Uh, I think that's absolutely key. Then the heart of her husband is safely trust in her, the next verse. And a lot of people think that love is the foundation of marriage, but it's not. Trust is the foundation of marriage. If, if you love somebody with all your heart, but you cannot trust them, your marriage is going on the rocks. You say, I love my husband, but when he gets the paycheck, he stops off and he buys drugs and he's gone for three days and we don't get the money to pay the rent and buy food. Now, you can love him, but how many of you know if you can't trust him, you're in trouble? Right? Um, and a key to trust is something, it's really something that you begin to build before you're married, not once you get married. In fact, the, the easiest time to build trust is before you're married. Um, sexually, before you're married, you're, you're attracted to this person. But when you abstain because it's the right thing to do is unto the Lord, right? that puts trust into your marriage. Um, if you don't, you're married, you're gone, something happens, and the spouse says, well, you know, they knew that this was wrong before we were married, but they did it anyway. What are they doing now that they know is wrong? Right? So that trust is, is absolutely key. And uh, then the next verse, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. It's an attitude of, I am going to bless my spouse every day. I'm going to do what's good for my spouse every single day. Those are just some of the, but there's so many different things that are key in marriage. Yeah. Um, when it says, what are the most important or first steps to a healthy marriage? Before that was a question about, I'm still single, even though I want to be married. What if I'm still single? And I think this is the, that's the time you build the foundation. That's the time you become the um, giver, a servant, um, practice serving, practice loving God with all of your heart and more than yourself. And um, you, yeah, you keep praying the foundation. You begin a healthy marriage before you get married. You, you, exactly what he was saying, that practicing. Or you can spend your time before you get married complaining. You can pr spend it crying. You can spend it wishing. Or you can spend your time looking in all the wrong places. And going after, well, you know, in the world, they do it a different way. They find spouses in the wrong places and with the wrong methods. And, and so it, you can either pursue God and serving and loving God more and um, becoming uh, just that kind of faithful, loving, serving, giving person that makes an awesome spouse or you can um, chase the world's way and then end up in counseling because you got a spouse who really doesn't want to live right either and, and have to straighten it up afterwards. Um, as you go through and you go, all right, if we're going to do it God's way, what are some of these like fundamental things? They went through a bunch of them. Um, forgive. I don't care who you married, they're not perfect. Um, and they will do something stupid at some point. They will say something they shouldn't have said, or they won't say something that they should have said. Whatever the case may be, being quick to forgive is required for good relationships. And I love your, your point. You kind of brought in this, this other question of, well, what if I'm single and I don't want to be? 
Well, then the first thing to do is to work on this now. The, if you wait until you're married to start working on your marriage, you're waiting until after the problem arises. And, and that's counterproductive. But if you look and you go, okay, hey, right now, I'm going to work on this. There's plenty of opportunities to practice forgiving. If not, leave the basement. Like, as soon as you contact more people, you will find more opportunities. Just drive in rush hour. You'll have opportunities to forgive somebody. Um, But when we choose to forgive, when we choose to assume the best, it changes the trajectory of our marriage. And you can start that before you even get married because it'll, it'll affect all of your relationships. But those are some of the, the fundamentals for having a good marriage. You know, it uses the word steps in the question. And what, a couple of steps I took years ago to help me get to a healthy marriage is um, learning my priorities. Uh, my priorities, and the truth is my confession um, for years before even we got married, in our relationship, I prioritized Madi over God because I wanted to be with her all the time. And, yeah. you know, and I just wanted to spend time with her and all these things. And, you know, it, it, I wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. I just, I fell into it. And it's like, I learned that, oh, wait, God, you're, you want number one, yeah. <laughs> that you want number one, right? And I gave that and, I, and geographically it worked out because I ended up going to Bible school. So I had no choice, but that, that choice was a huge help for me to take my steps. And so years ago, I, I went through my notes on my phone and I, and I still have, and I read it every once in a while, but I prioritized my relationship with God first, then my wife, then my kids, and then the list kind of goes on. And it's like when I can remind myself and apply those priorities, it, just, it works because it wasn't working when God was number two. But it started working when God was number one. Yeah, I think one of the steps, two fundamental steps are communication. Like before we get married, and even if you're married now, these are great things to have conversations with your spouse. Um, When we meet with uh, couples that are about to get married, which is quite often, um, there are three things that we always talk about. And it is priority because we've experienced what that looks like. It is pursuit. So pursuing one another, knowing each other well, that's where I like to talk about the five love languages. Do you know your future spouse? Do you know the way they receive love? Do you know the way they like to be loved? A majority of the time it's what is that? What's five love languages? And it's like, it's a great tool to know coming into your relationship that even though touch is my favorite thing, his is words of affirmation. So I have to work at that because, you know, it's not my top thing, but I can be all over him all day long, you know, but that's not going to fill him at all. I mean, I mean, it'll fill him a little bit, but not like, a, like the way he wants to be loved. So that's pursuit. And then the last one is passion. Talk about your visions. Talk about your passions. Talk about where you want to go. Have a vision. So those are the three things that I tend to, we tend to have, um, we tend to talk to our couples about communicating beforehand. But if you're married and you're like, we've never had those conversations, those are great conversations to have because it's not too late to have vision. It's not too late to continue to learn each other. Our love languages have changed after 15 years. I'm not the same person I was, thank you, Jesus, 15 years ago. And aren't we thankful, everyone, right? Yes, he's gonna continue to love me. But have clear communication all the time. And I know seasons of, sometimes I'm like, Jess, I don't even know who we are anymore because it's like kids, kids, you know, life, work, ministry, and then kids again. It, it, it gets to a point where you feel like you're kind of fading away. Catch that. Catch it quick. Those are the moments where I'm like, I'm feeling empty clear communication. Jess, I feel like we're not on the same page. I feel like we're not seeing the same thing. Let's stay in the same page with our passions, our pursuits, and our priorities. That's amazing. All right, this one, I know it's a general question, but I want to make it a little bit more personal for each couple to take a stab at it. What is the hardest thing, or what, what's, what's, what are some of the hardest things you've had to overcome in your marriage? I'd say the hardest thing about marriage is getting over self. 
where you <laughs> serve without demanding to be served. That's hard. Mm-hmm. It takes grace. It takes the power of God. It takes the Holy Spirit's help. It's, it takes grace, the supernatural divine help that God gives that's above what you have within your own flesh to do. And that's why the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. Yeah. Um, when, when we first um, got married, we were in Bible school. Uh, I was praying four hours a day. I'd read 20 chapters of my Bible every day. And then I got married and I literally thought I backslid. I said, God, what's wrong with me? And uh, I was like, God, you know, I'm such a mess. And he said, you were a mess the whole time. You just didn't know. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm like, you were such a mess. He said, you were single and you did what you wanted, when you wanted, how you wanted, with whom you wanted. And you just ran your own life and did what you want. And now you're married and now you lay down your life. Now you're laying down your life. And that was the hardest thing about marriage. All right. Was what Jeannie said. You know, you're single, you do what you want, when you want, how you want, with whom you want, and it's all good. And then you get married and it's like, oh, there's another <laughs> There's somebody else and you're, you're laying down your life for somebody else. And for, for me, that was definitely the hardest because I thought I was so spiritual. And then I found out <laughs> I was not. <laughs> all right. She's not going to throw me under the bus. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself. Right, so I think the, one of the hardest things, um, we faced different challenges, but I found out she's not like me. Um, and, and this is something that, you know, whatever the problem may be, because you'll face different problems and we could all go through and tell stories of, hey, here was an individual problem that we faced. Hey, here's how we faced a medical report that was really, really scary. Hey, here's how we faced this tragedy. Here's how we faced this displacing of funds. Here's how we, and we can go through those. But when we went through some of these difficult things, even discovering that we processed differently was really um, challenging. And like the first time we went through something tragic, I totally botched it because my method of processing um, is very different than hers. Hers is a very much an emotional journey with lots of hugs, Kleenexes, crying, and closeness. And, um, and then just like, not like sexual closeness, that would get you in trouble in this moment because there is tragedy that you're dealing with. Well, my method of dealing with it is like, can I shoot something, blow something up, hack it apart, like, like re- release a, a bunch of... Um, a, a physical energy and then to get up and like move forward, like pray it through and go. I don't stop much. Like it's just not in my wiring. But one method isn't the correct method. And it's really easy in marriage as you go through different things to go, well, they're doing it differently. Therefore, they're doing it wrong. And to go, well, why can't they do it more like, and recognizing that as we're different and as we handle these different tragedies, these different reports, these different um, situations, that we go, oh, it's not just how do I want to deal with it? I have to deal with it myself, but I also need to be ready to help her deal with it and go, hey, how can I be there for you? And, And I didn't realize that until after I botched it. And then... She's upset and you're like, well, what was I supposed to do? And then she's like, A, B, C, D, E, and G. I'm like, oh, I'm taking notes. <laughs> Next time I'll be more prepared for that. But recognizing that we're different, being ready to communicate through those differences as we navigate things um, is where challenges lie. And we've talked about communication a lot. And I think one of the keys is not just speaking. I think sometimes we think communication is being the one to say something. But a big part of the communication is being the listener and being willing and ready to make the changes. Like one of the reasons why I'm like, I don't know when I handed him the mic is I'm like, I feel like our marriage is wonderful. Like I have a hard time thinking of really hard times. But that's because in our relationship, I was able to say, well, I need you to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. (laughs) 
And he was able to listen to that and make the changes that needed to be made. So anytime we've had one of those moments where we have something tough going on, we just talk it out. And both of us really love Jesus and we wanna do the right thing. We wanna honor the Lord and we wanna honor each other. And when you come at it from that perspective and not a, why, why can't you do something for me, but how can I honor and serve you? And you're both serving each other. It just becomes easier. Question was the hardest thing in our marriage, correct? Um, I guess for me, it is a selfish thing, overcoming that selfishness. Um, it took me a long time. I'm going to try to put this in the words. Uh, but I had to learn to be okay with not having the answer to whatever we're facing. I know who the answer was, Jesus, obviously, and where to go with scripture. And, but it's okay at moments to not know and to discover together because there are times where I have challenged my, like where I felt like I need to know the answer and I need to grab her by her hand and I need to go and truck through this whole thing and never really consulted with her, not communicated. Um, and I've gotten myself into trouble in that area uh, to the point then you start seeking wise counsel on that whole thing. Um, but when I started learning, oh wait, we are truly equal in everything we do and really gained that insight. That's when I was able to say, okay, you have strengths where I don't, I have strengths where you don't. We work together. We're, we, the scripture says we fit together. Uh, she's more than just a helper, but we walk together. And it's like, once you discover that, I mean, it was, that's when things started changing for, at least in, in, for me as a, my character and as being a husband, um, was really just learning to overcome myself and say, okay, I, I need God and I need her to work together to make this successful. Um, for me, I am in our relationship, and it was way at the beginning. I learned the, the thing that really was frustrating was that um, we were very different personality-wise. Usually that's the case, right? Usually that's the case. And Jesse, when we would have some sort of disagreement or argument, he wanted to fix it now. <laughs> Anybody like that? And that's okay. We got some now, like this moment, like I'm going to talk about it. I've got the answer. We're going to fix it. And I am a processor. Any processors in here? Yes, I see some. I just need you to give me a second, okay? I need to go away. I need to go in my room and process this because I am feeling feels, right? We feel feels. And some of us are Jesse and some of us are Madi. And those are both okay, but it's got to be to a point where you're talking to each other. And it got to the point where, oh man, I'm nervous to say this, but real quickly, I, in the beginning, I would just be like, deuces, peace out. Like, cause he was at me. So I would like walk out. How, is that bad? Anybody agree that that's not what you want to do? But he would be like, pounce me. Like, we're going to fix it. I'm going to fix it right now. And I'm like, get out of my face. Um, and so I would leave. Well, that's, I don't want to leave him. I need to leave the scenario. And so for us, we had to communicate that, Jesse, I don't want to leave you. I love you. I want to fix the problem, but I need some space. Okay, so then I would start going into my room. I communicated, you don't like when I leave the house because that brought up some child trauma. So I understood that. So I'm going to my room. I'm going to ground myself. Anybody ground themselves? Okay, thank you. I ground myself and I said, I'm going to just process. I'm going to be in my holy of holies. Jesus, help me with this man. You put me with him. Help me understand how to work this out. Like, speak, Lord, speak. And then it would happen. It just, every single time, I would just, it would get easier and easier. And I would open the door and there's my husband just waiting. <laughs> and, and a lot of times, the way he would handle it was the answer, but I needed a process and that was okay. So he gave me that space. But now that we've been together for so long, that our, our situation, like, we, we get it done quickly, but we had to understand each other and we had to figure out where the space needed to go for us to really have the good mojo in our relationship. So that was the hardest for us, like get out of my face and he'd be like, come to me now, you know? So that, that's all better now though. 
It's good. But I love as we navigate all of these different questions that it really all comes back to, will you put God first? And will you do things God's way? And that is the answer if you want to have a good marriage. That's the answer if you want to have a good relationship. That's the answer if you say, hey, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. If you say, hey, I, I, anything in life worthwhile, if you go, hey, God, God coming first and a life built on him is a life that will last for eternity, not just for the moment. And as we, as we have conversations about all this, you may be here and go, you know what? Maybe in church a long time, maybe I'm new to church, but I don't have a foundation on God. God is not number one in my life. I may know about God. I may believe that he exists, but I have not made him Lord in my life. I am not living for him. I want to give you an opportunity today to say, all right, today I build a foundation. Today and this, from this point forward, my life is going to be built on him and I'm going to honor God and live for him. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and you say, today I want to make that decision. Today I want to make him the Lord of my life. And when I say three, I'm going to ask you to just to raise your hand. If you're watching online, you can type in the chat, say that that's me. Get ready. One, you can know that you're right with him. Two, build your foundation today. Three, raise up your hand. Say, that's me. Today, I'm building my life on him. I want to know that I'm right with God and on my way to heaven. Awesome. Who else is? That's me. Most important decision that anybody ever makes. Awesome. All right, you can put your hands down. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. So go ahead and join me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. That your blood washed away my sins. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.